We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Monday, January the 24th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, I break down Saturday's 83-66 to win over the Georgia Bulldogs as South kind of gets a much-needed home victory at CLA. Guys, I'll break down the game in its entirety. I'll give my biggest takeaway. We'll hand out the Shooters Shoot Award, and I'll talk about what's next for South Carolina basketball as well. Also, guys, news and notes that include Shane Beamer tweeting a welcome home out on Saturday night, just who may be the new commitment. Also, new football numbers leaked. We've also got a fantastic conversation, guys. Great interview with former Gamecocks offensive lineman Kyle Nunn as he joined me to talk about his illustrious career in Garnet and Black. And we've got, we got a packed show for you here on this Monday. And, of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, for all your movie needs in the 2022 calendar, you'll be sure to contact our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Or of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. There are some things in life that no matter how many times they happen, will never get old. And I can sit here today on this Monday and say with certainty that beating the hell out of the University of Georgia is one of those things. Folks, happy Monday. Happy Victory Monday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up show as always, and if I sound giddy, there's a reason for that. Because you know what, guys? And we're going to dive into this game. You know what? Winning is fun. Confirm per sources. Winning is fun. So I encourage Gamecock fans, enjoy the heck out of this one. Because, again, it's been too long since we felt this way on a Monday. And I'm not exactly sure when the next time we're going to feel this way on a Monday is. But, again, guys, got a lot to get into, a lot to discuss. Hope you had a fantastic weekend, and I hope your new week, your Monday, is off to a fantastic start as well. Guys, before we get going really quickly, some updates for you this week. So, yours truly is taking advantage of the time before baseball season, if you will, and seeing as baseball season will lock in on February the 18th, and I'll be locked in going to basically every single game at Founders Park from that point to the middle of June, if you will. TSUS is going to be on the road this week. So again, I'm taking a little bit of a mini vacation, if you will, to Tampa, but do not fret. The podcast and the content will still continue to roll. We're going to do the damn thing from sunny Florida. But uh, we're going to continue to do the damn thing. No Daily Crow on Tuesday because I will be traveling. And, of course, no Tin Roof show on Wednesday. But, again, 
very excited to take some time just get out of the state or out of the city of Columbia rather uh, and one of my goals by the way I, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago guys one of my goals for 2022 was actually to travel more and do TSUS remote you know I think you can find a lot of inspiration and a lot of uh, a lot of happiness and you know it's just good to kind of you know change things up a little bit and get out and about but also continue to do the grind so again just to let you all know how is it going to impact you all not greatly just no daily crow on Tuesday because again guys I'm literally going to be flying during that 12 to 2 time frame if you will so no daily crow on Tuesday no tin roof on Wednesday but outside of that we are rocking and rolling with the podcast, the Daily Crow Course. I'll be tuned in to all of the basketball games. Of course, women playing tonight, men playing on Wednesday, then women again playing on Thursday in a massive game against UConn. And I will be back by the game Saturday. I know that one's on the road, but I will be back in town for that one to watch and partake in that game. But again, want to keep you guys updated in case you see me and you see I'm in Florida. You're like, what the heck is is Chris doing again? We're switching things up a little bit here this week and uh, going to get away from the cold, if you will, and uh, enjoy some time with some good good company, good people, uh, great place down in sunny Florida, if you will. But again, rocking and rolling with the content. You guys already know the drill. And again, appreciate your love and support. Also, uh, we have added another TSUS athlete. We have jumped into the softball side of things. Very proud to announce and to say we have jumped into softball. Uh, Cassidy Krupit, our newest TSUS athlete, use the promo code Krupit at TSUS.store for 10% off your entire purchase. And outside of that, I don't think there's anything else in regards to housekeeping items. TSUS.store, of course, guys. Uh, we've got a lot of new opening day merch, Heckle Juice merch, Yardcocks merch, all that good stuff. Again, guys, you already know the merch is continuing to blow up. And again, just stay tuned to TSUS.store because I'm adding pieces like every other day uh, in regards to you know, these new pieces getting you all ready for opening day. But uh, again, by the way, also hope you all enjoyed your snow day, your snow night uh, on Friday night. I know that was really, really cool for us to see in Columbia. Obviously something that does not happen very often. So again, really just truly guys, hope you enjoyed your weekend. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this thing. Cause like I said, guys, it is victory Monday, death taxes. And for whatever reason, the Gamecocks beating the university of Georgia in basketball, guys, I told you this on Friday. It, it has not mattered how good South Carolina is, how bad South Carolina is, how good Georgia is, or how bad Georgia is. One thing for the last 11 contests has remained constant, and that is South Carolina finding a way to beat Georgia. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, for a lot of that game on Saturday, I really did think this was going to be the game where Georgia snapped the streak. We're all obviously uh, on edge on social media. We were on edge Saturday at the game. Uh, you know, Georgia out to that lead. The run that South Carolina put together, the run that the Gamecocks put together, guys, in case you missed it or in case you just didn't realize when it was happening, South Carolina went on a 24 to nothing run. 24 to nothing run against Georgia and 30 to nine run to close the game. I mean, absolutely incredible, guys. And I'll say that really a kudos. To everyone in that program on that basketball team, again, we've all said what we've said about Frank Martin. And I, listen, I, I don't think one win over Georgia, you know, changes the entire outlook of the season. And I, and I know a lot of people, too, though, on social media, I will say to them that are like, oh, you know, the, the win doesn't matter. Who cares? Why are you boasting? Why are you ragging again, guys? Hey, never take winning for granted. Never get to a point where you can't enjoy winning because obviously our goal is for us to win every single game we have left and go to the tournament and Frank Martin be retained. All that good stuff. Does that mean just because you beat Georgia by 17 points or what have you, that that's going to happen? Not necessarily, but never get to a point where you're not enjoying winning. Never get to a point where you're not enjoying beating the heck out of one of your biggest rivals. Um, but again, I do give credit to everybody who, who continue to fight. You know, again, it looked ugly. It looked bleak. You were down by like nine points or so. Um, you know, just, just didn't seem like it was going to happen for you. Didn't feel like it was your day, if you will. And again, for everybody to stay positive to, and I felt like, I felt like even at halftime when you were trailing, I thought to myself, you know what? I just feel like Georgia's not very good. We are due to get hot. We weren't able in that first half to do, go on any type of streak, any type of run, if you will. I mean, that run you saw 24 to nothing and 39 to close a game. That, 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 that was incredible. I mean, that was incredible. It was incredible from the South Carolina side of things for obvious reasons, the way you're able to score, the way you're able to just capture lightning in a bottle and capture momentum. And it was incredible from the Georgia side of things in the sense of like, what in the world 
is going on. Georgia just watching them implode was uh, was absolutely incredible. And there was a pretty good number of Georgia fans that made the trip. So to see them upset, to see them grieving, to see them watching that before their very eyes, what a time. What a time that was. Truly some things you cannot put a price tag on, and that is certainly one of them. And, guys, when it comes to my takeaways, my biggest takeaway, again, I, I thought you saw South Carolina just finally, hey, shoot or shoot. Shoot or shoot. We got hot from outside. We got hot shooting the basketball. When you take a look at the statistics, um, South Carolina shooting as a team, 45%, 28% from three-point range, but 45%. And I will say this, kudos to South Carolina for limiting the turnovers to just 11 turnovers in this game. Again, of course, that was something that really haunted them and hurt this team. You force 18 Georgia turnovers. You force 18 Georgia turnovers, and you only limit yourself to 11, and you shoot 45%, and you hold Georgia to 39%. Again, that is a recipe for success. And, guys, I'll tell you what, again, like I said, when it comes to takeaways, my biggest takeaway from the game on Saturday is this. We own Georgia in basketball. I mean, there's just really no other way to phrase it. There's no other way to put it. I left CLA on Saturday just saying, you know what? We own Georgia. Bottom line, we own Georgia. There's nothing we can do no wrong. Like I said, it doesn't matter how our season is going. It it doesn't matter how good we are, how bad we are. Nothing, nothing. We find a way to beat Georgia. We find a way. So, again, kudos to all those involved. Um, you You take a look at the top performers from the game. You know, our guy Stevie, shoot or shoot, 20 points. Again, I, I, I don't understand why some people want to give this guy so much grief. And, guys, I get it, man. He played terribly against Arkansas. He's had some games. You know, his percentages are – they're not great. But I continue to say this on social media, and I've said this to those around me, and I'll say it right here. If you would have told me, not just from the Gamecocks perspective and the team perspective, but selfishly from the TSUS perspective – if you would have told me that the leading scorer on the Gamecocks basketball team at this point in the season, that guy is a TSUS athlete, sign me up. I don't care what the stats say. I don't care about this, that, whatever. Sign me up, and sure enough, Stevie, shoot or shoot, uh, 20 points on the day for him. What was great to see also was the return of Jermaine Kusnard. A.J. Wilson also getting action, but especially Jermaine Kuznar. I mean, 15 points for him, went 5 of 10 from the field, played 23 minutes for you. And again, after dealing with things uh, earlier in the week in regards to the mental side of the game, and you know, we weren't sure whether he was going to play or how much he was going to play or anything like that, for Jermaine Kuznar to go out there and play the way he did. Again, guys, I, I just still fully believe that the best version of this basketball team is with Jermaine Kuznar on the floor. I like Jacoby Wright a lot. Uh, you know, I, I, I like some of your other guys, you know, I like James Reese. I like Chico Carter. I like AJ Wilson, but you know, you need your veteran leader. You need one of your veteran scorers out there. Again, a guy that's really been through the fire. And so for Jermaine Kuzner, like I said, to return the way he did, uh, was absolutely incredible. But guys, when it comes to a standout performance on Saturday, and there's a reason I am awarding him, we are awarding him with the shooter shoot award, none other. Then Keyshawn, the highlight reel, Bryant. What a game from Keyshawn. 19 points for him, 6 of 10 from the field, 2 of 4 from three-point land, and 5 of 6 at the free throw line, guys. And in case you missed it also, again, I talked about South Carolina going on that 24 to nothing run. Keyshawn Bryant, 12 of his 19 points came during that 24 to nothing run. Run. So again, things you love to see Keyshawn Bryant balling out. I know many of us have been very critical of Keyshawn and saying that, you know, he really hasn't developed as a player and he, you know, he hasn't had a great year. Call for what it is. He has not had a great year. He has not had the year we expect. You know, some people had him as a preseason all SEC guy. So, you know, he has fallen short of expectations in many ways, but that, what we saw Saturday, that was vintage Keyshawn Bryant. Again, that was the Keyshawn Bryant that we all know and love. And, uh, you know, he plays like that. South Carolina's going to have a very good chance to win many more basketball games this season. But, again, guys, what's next for South Carolina? The Gamecocks do return home or second straight game at home, I should say, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Gamecocks taking on Vandy once again. So, again, you look at another game where you really need to win. You'll most likely be favored. You've already beaten Vandy. So, again, another pivotal matchup. And they're all pivotal, right? They're all pivotal at this point. But, again, another pivotal matchup on Wednesday. Can you protect your home floor 
against Vandy. Guys, like I said, I will be out of town. I get two tickets to every single game. I will be out of town. So we'll actually be giving away those tickets. If you check social media, our giveaway with Dason and Shalabi Law Firm, really, really good seat. So again, if you're trying to go to the game, we're going to give those out, I believe, tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to give them out on Tuesday. So if you're trying to go to the game, be sure to go like the post, tag three friends, and follow Dason and Shalabi Law Firm to have a chance. But again, guys, overall, a great win. Does this change anything in regards to, oh, you know, all of a sudden this team's going to find itself and, and uh, you know, go, go on some winning streak and save Frank Martin's job and all that? I, I don't think so. You know, I think Georgia, what you saw is Georgia's a really bad basketball team. There's a reason you were a 10-point favorite. Again, I don't think it changes the overall outlook. I mean, it was a game, simply put, you know, again, we've used the phrase must win, and we've talked about the importance of winning these games. It was just simply a game you could not lose. It, it, it was a game that would have been an embarrassing loss. It would have broken the South kind of fan base, no doubt. Um, and again, there, there's been yours truly. There's been others. And I think the majority saying that, you know what? After this season, it's time to move on from Frank Martin. But if you would have lost that game, I mean, there would have been no question in regards to what you had to do and maybe even doing it mid season so again one you had to have fantastic win again you beat georgia by 17 and i'll tell you what guys again i already said it but that run that 30 to 9 run to close the game i mean i I, i've watched a pretty good bit of basketball that was incredible i mean that was truly incredible to see sal kind of do that and and really again just take advantage of georgia and just just find a way man just find a way and, and get as hot as they did shoot or shoot feels good to be good and feels good to beat the absolute hell out of the University of Georgia. But again, guys, Gamecocks snapped their three-game losing streak. Winning ways return to Columbia, South Carolina. So, again, guys, let's get into news and notes really quickly, and then we'll take your listener questions and into our interview. Uh, Shane Beamer adding another welcome home tweet on Saturday night. Guys, I can tell you right now, I'm not, not 110% sure. There's a lot of speculation of who it is. I would assume it's a prospect for the 2023 class. Uh, We did have junior day over the weekend, what have you, a lot of 2023 prospects were on campus. So I'd have to assume that's who it was. But again, uh, still trying to get details on that. Stay tuned, but not exactly sure who that welcome home is. But Shane Beamer, of course, guys, just keeping the momentum going, crushing it on the recruiting trail. You absolutely love to see it. Also, guys, new football numbers were leaked. Uh, We had some pictures sent our way and some other pictures were posted on social media Spencer Rattler rocking number four for the Gamecocks. Luke Doty, it appears, will switch to number nine, which was his high school number. Uh, So for all those who got Spencer Rattler seven jerseys made, sucks to suck, I guess, but Spencer Rattler looks like he's going to rock number four for the Gamecocks. And Antoine Wells Jr. wearing number three. And a lot of you have asked, Chris, what does this mean for Jalen Brooks? Guys, I, I don't know if I had to guess. I think his South Carolina career is over. Um, so either way, again, new numbers, some great football news here on this Monday, things you absolutely love to see. All right, guys, just a couple of listener questions that we'll dive in our interview. Uh, Zach Matthews, 02, is Devin going to be okay? Great question. Great question. Devin looked like he went down, like he may have sprained something or something like that, pulled a hammy, what have you. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, you definitely hope to see him healthy because he's a huge piece of this basketball team. Kelly Finnegan 07 says, Snow Day Energy. Love that. Yeah, the Snow Day was incredible. That Snow Day was awesome. Uh, last question, BY, or BW Tyson 24, any coaches in mind for next year, basketball team? Uh, not yet, man. I haven't put together a list or anything like that, but you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So again, guys, appreciate the listener questions. Like I said, do not go anywhere because the show's not over yet. We got a fantastic throwback interview. Great conversation. Former Gamecocks offensive lineman, Kyle Nunn, a combo, guys. I know you're sure to enjoy But again, it feels good to be good. It feels good to beat the hell at the University in Georgia. Enjoy this one. Go out to CLA tonight to support the Lady Gamecocks, support Dawn Staley's squad, and going to be a fun, fun week on the hardwood. Going to be a fun week in regards to the content. We'll continue to talk baseball, all that good stuff. Again, guys, I'm Chris Phillips, the Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Let's have one hell of a week and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks offensive lineman, Kyle Nunn. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2007 to 2011. He was part of a Gamecocks offensive line that helped lead the Gamecocks to the 2010 SEC East title. He also spent time in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers and New York Jets and bounced around the Arena League as well. I'm very, very pleased to welcome to the show former Gamecocks offensive lineman, Kyle Nunn. Kyle, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. 
Hey, Chris, I appreciate you having me. For sure. So, Kyle, I want to go back to the beginning for you because you are a local kid from Sumter, South Carolina. I played for the Sumter Gamecocks, Sumter High School. Uh, three-star prospect out of there. Just kind of talk about uh, – I know you were considering North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and obviously South Carolina, but you went with the Gamecocks. Just kind of talk about your recruiting process and, you know, why eventually for you you decided that South Carolina was the best spot for you. Well, you know, I started out and I was actually committed to Virginia Tech my sophomore year of high school. Um I actually, you know, visited a couple other places. I committed early um, because Virginia Tech was kind of where I wanted to be. Um, being that, uh, you know, I went to a couple other places after committing to Virginia Tech. They started getting pretty upset about, uh, you know, me visiting South Carolina to go watch the SEC matchup. I watched South Carolina, uh, Tennessee, and also South Carolina, Georgia my junior year, and they got pretty upset. They actually called my family. and. Uh, my mom in particular made her pretty upset, you know, saying that there was other offensive tackles out there that wanted the position. And, you know, upsetting my mom, you know, being from a small town, yes, I am a mama's boy. Uh, so that probably wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, so I, I went ahead and told them they could have their scholarship and give it to whoever they would like. Uh, and then called Coach Furrier the following week and uh, asked him if he had a spot for me. And Spurrier did not have a spot for me. He already had uh, Quinn Richardson commit mm. uh, from Grand Valley, and um, they didn't have room for me. So they made they made it happen and uh, made room for me, so I could have an opportunity there. And I'm really appreciative of that. <clears throat> For sure. So you get on campus South Carolina in 2007, which you you, uh, you redshirt that first year. But you talked about Spurrier. Just kind of talk about because I think it's interesting, Kyle. You know, you got to South Carolina at a really interesting time when he was really, you know, still in the beginning. I mean, you got there it was year three for Spurrier. He's, he's still kind of getting this thing rolling. But just kind of talk about your first interactions with him and, uh, you know, what was that like? I mean, obviously playing for a Hall of Fame head coach. Yeah, so, um, you know, I had the opportunity to play for him, obviously. Um, but you know, he, he's a perfectionist, um, you know, early on, um, he's such a perfectionist that actually he went to see me on a game day. A lot of people don't know that I actually played basketball in high school also. Um, but he came on a game day and that's actually a recruiting violation. Um, I was his first and only reported, uh, recruiting violation because he saw me on a day that I had a game, um, uh, for another sport. So he actually reported. Uh, for that violation um, because he was worried about it messing up his career um, mm -hmm. season upcoming. Um, but, yeah, he, he's a great guy. You know, he he comes off as kind of a jerk, but it just it's because he expects perfection, and that's the only thing that he wants. Um, I mean, I could knock somebody on their butt and do a perfect pancake block, and he would tell me how my hand placement wasn't correct or my footwork wasn't right or my right step was too long. Um, but it made me appreciate the small things in life. And uh, I learned a lot of responsibility and accountability based off of the things he taught me and the perfection that he expected every day, every play, uh, day in and day out. For sure. So, like I said, Kyle, you get on campus 2007, you redshirt that first year. Um you know, again, coming in as a three-star recruit, what what was the biggest transition for you going from high school football to college football? My um, weight. So because I played basketball, uh, I played basketball around 265, uh, but I actually played football around 280, 285 in football season. So I would fluctuate that 20 pounds. Well, coming off of basketball season, I was about 265 for the Shrine Bowl. And coming into South Carolina, I think I might have gotten up to 275, 280. And Spurrier expects his lineman to be 300 pounds plus. Well, I was nowhere near it, and uh, that's where the red shirt came from. But uh, even my first start, my sophomore year, my red shirt freshman year, when I started on field goal, I was still only 295, uh, right at 300 pounds. Um, so, yeah. For sure. So I want to ask you about moving off of Spurrier more to your position coaches. First off, because I know that Eric Wolford was there in 2009 and then Sean Elliott took over. Who was the offensive line coach when you got there in 2007? I, I forgot about that. John Hunt was actually John the offensive Hunt. line coach. Got you, got you. 
Gotcha. Okay. So I, again, and John Hunt was a good one. Uh, Eric Wolford, which I think is interesting. You played under him and now he's back at South Carolina and then Sean Elliott. I know Gamecock fans are really, really, really familiar with him. Uh, obviously his time at South Carolina, what he did and then being at Georgia state, being a head coach, just talk about the impact that those guys had on you, um, you know, with Hunt, Wolford and Sean Elliott. Cause again, I, I think three great offensive line coaches, it seems like three different styles. I mean, it's, I think it's again, ironic that South Carolina fans are sort of seeing what Eric Wolford's all about and just how good of an offensive line coach he is right now at South Carolina. But just kind of talk about your experience with those three different offensive line coaches. Well, of the three, uh, Eric Wolford and I are, you know, the only one, only, he's the only one that keeps up with me. Um, you know, so he texts me every now and then and I text him, you know, after the game here and there. Um, but, you know, I know, Coach Hunt, I mean, Coach Elliott, he's off being a head coach, so I'm sure he's busy and he's got guys to coach up himself. Um, and I'm not really sure what John Hunt's doing anymore. Um, but I even kept in contact with uh, Coach Wolford when he was at San Francisco with the 49ers because that's when I was in camp with the Panthers. And when I was released, I said, hey, Coach, you know, you got an opportunity out there for me. I know you're an assistant offensive line coach out there. Um and he said, I'd love to have you, but, you know, our spots are full right now. And it's an understanding that every NFL player, anybody who dabbles in, in the league, um, you realize that there's a number a number that they have to fill. And once that number is hit, then uh, they kind of have to stick with what they have until injuries or trades or anything like that come along. Um, but, yeah, so Wolford, he was more of a, a trap guy. Um, Elliot was more of a zone zone read guy mm. and hunt was kind of a a man zone scheme mm. um so it, it was three different schemes uh three different coaching styles like you said um uh, they were not that any one of them was wrong or being that you know only wolford is the one that's that's kept up with me the most out of the three um you know they're all all great coaches to, to play for and i was i was blessed to have you know as many of them as i did in that four or five year period um, just all, all of the knowledge, the football knowledge that came with having that many coaches in such a short period of time. For sure. So, like I said, 07, you redshirt. 08, you're more of a reserve guy. didn't play a lot. 09, you really start coming on, competing with Gerald King for uh, playing time at left tackle. You know, played in 10, 10 or 13 games that year. Uh, and then, obviously, 2010, 2011, made a ton of starts and played a lot of good quality football. Where do you feel like you improved the most from start to finish throughout your college career? Besides, I'd say just like the size thing, if you will. I would say my redshirt year. Uh, my redshirt year, I was on scout team. So I had the honor of blocking the Lindsay Twins as a freshman, uh, <laughs> the Brinkley brothers as a freshman, uh, Clifton Gethers, a um, bunch of other guys, you know, Nathan Pepper, um, guys that were really doing great things already as juniors and seniors. Um, whereas I was just getting uh, used to the speed from high school to college. Um, but once, once that was made, and, uh, I'd say my first, <laughs> I'd say my first zone right at left tackle with Jasper Brinkley at linebacker. Um, that was, that was a uh, welcome to the SEC, I'd say, because, you know, I was about the same size as him, <laughs> except for about four inches taller. And, uh, you know, we hit, and it was like a, a small car accident <laughs> uh, because I gave him everything he had, and he was probably just going practice speed. But, um, you know, we both <laughs> both hit the ground. It was pretty pretty big impact. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So I, I want to jump, Kyle, to that 2009 season because, like I said, I feel like that's really really when you started to come on. Like I said, you and Gerald King, who was a really good one himself, uh, competing for playing time. You played in 10 games. Um, and started seven of the fi final nine games at left tackle. Um, I thought it was interesting that I was taking a look. Your first playing time of that 2009 season came against Ole Miss, and then you moved in the starting lineup the next week against South Carolina State. But that Ole Miss game, I mean, your first time playing that season, um, and we obviously know, I mean, anybody that follows South Carolina football knows about the 2009 season. You can't talk about it without without talking about that Ole Miss game Thursday night, taking down the number four ranked team in the country. Just kind of talk about, you know, that night for you, especially personally, like finally getting your, your playing time, if you will, and then it coming in such a huge game for the South Carolina program. Well, that was the loudest I ever heard Williams Bryce uh, ever in my career. 
Um, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, also, I was blocking a guy named Greg Hardy who went on to the NFL mm-hmm. and did what he did. Um, and there was another, uh, I think it was Dontrell Poe, a defensive tackle. Um, two guys that also, another guy that also went to the NFL. Um, but just being there and getting the opportunity to play in front of my, my hometown. I say my hometown. Uh, Sumter's about 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. I'm still with our, you know, fellow fellow Sumter friends and family. Um, so being able to play in front of them on such a big stage and it being an SEC ESPN game, <clears throat> being on a nationally televised stage was awesome. Um, just to be able to be a part of that um, was awesome. For sure. So, Kyle, I want to ask you really quickly sort of a, uh, a random question, if you will, just about the offensive line position because I know it's a position that obviously – does not get the praise or probably even the credit that it deserves. But I think it's funny. I always tell people that, you know, because, I mean, even I do this, but people that analyze or talk football, it's really hard to talk about the offensive line position if you not have not been in the trenches there before and played it. Like, we can all act like we know what we're saying and this guy's not doing this. But I know probably as someone like you, like, you're, you're going to know – the inner workings of an offensive line so much more than somebody who's just kind of seeing it from, you know, the stands or field level or whatever. Uh, you know, is there any merit to my opinion there as far as like, I just feel like offensive line play is such a complex thing that people think it's so simple, but it really is complex and know all the inner workings of, because I mean, a play can be blown up if just one little thing is off and it's, it's five guys that the units really got to work together. Yeah, and offensive linemen generally aren't noticed unless they do something wrong or <laughs> they do something right and they knock somebody out that busts a big run or um, they hold their block with one hand or do something crazy. Um, I think offensive linemen are the only people that understand offensive line as a whole um, because unless you've been in the trenches and you've done 50, 60 plays, running into a guy that's comparatively your size and a little bit faster than you most of the time, mm. um, you don't really understand and you don't get any credit, um, which is it's not a bad thing because as offensive lineman, I like to not be noticed. Um, as long as I wasn't getting a false start or holding penalty or giving up a sack, I was okay. Um, you know, I was trying to execute my plays as well as I could. Um, but as long as my quarterback was safe and I wasn't getting noticed uh, by the referee calling out my number, um, that's kind of how I liked it to be. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like if you're not noticed as an offensive lineman, you're doing your job. That's pretty much how what it comes yeah. down to. Yes, <laughs> yes sir. For sure. So, uh, I, I want to ask you about uh, you being a South Carolina kid, the Carolina-Clemson rivalry, because uh, obviously, you know, your first two years against those guys didn't go the way you wanted, but you were part of the team that started the five five wins in a row against Clemson. You went uh, three and two against them, had a winning record again in nine, ten, and eleven. You beat those guys. Just talk about what the South Carolina-Clemson rivalry means to you again, growing up in Sumter, South Carolina, and obviously playing for the Gamecocks, actually playing in the rivalry. Uh, what what does that rivalry mean to you now? Um, well, it's amazing. Um, the fact that I could tell my, my friends and um, even I have a former teammate, uh, Roger McDowell, he ended up going to Clemson as a running back from Sumter High School. Um, just being able to tell them, hey, you know, when I was in the game, we never lost. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's that's something that I take pride in. And, you know, every I root for Clemson, uh, not against South Carolina, obviously, but if they're playing Auburn or they're playing another SEC opponent, I want them to win. They're an in-state school. Um, I like Dabo Sweeney. I know a lot of fans aren't going to like to hear that, but I like Dabo Dabo Sweeney as a person, and he was a great recruiter in high school. And if they had a little bit better of an offensive line coach, I probably would have went there. But uh, he moved a fifth-year senior that was All-American, Richardson. They moved his name off of the list and uh, moved my name up like I was going to start as a true freshman. 285 if that um and it was just a little bit unbelievable but uh yeah i mean you know that that uh that rivalry is intense and you see stickers you see you see clemson paws and you see carolina uh block c's on the back of everybody's uh window 
and you hear him talking about it all year long. Um, being from Sumter, so close to uh, Columbia, you know, you hear about it year round. If your team loses, you know, they're sorry until the next uh, <laughs> until the next season. <laughs> so um, a lot of the out of state guys, if they weren't from uh, South Carolina, they didn't take it as serious, but they also, um, they understood because the guys from in-state would help them understand how serious it was for us to win that game. Which of the three would you say was your favorite of the wins you got over Clemson, 09, 10, or 11? I would say at Clemson. Um, there was a play or two where uh, me and a couple of their defensive linemen were face-to-face. Um after the play, and there was a few words exchanged here and there. Um, but I would say the one at Clemson was, was my favorite. I think it was 09, my first year playing in the, the rivalry, I believe. The 2010 game. Yeah, it was the 10 game. 2010, yeah. So 2010 at Clemson, having those people who traveled from Sumter up to Clemson come on the field after the game, give me hugs and take pictures, that was awesome. For sure. So, you know, we already talked a little bit about offensive line play. I want to ask you, when you have a guy like Marcus Lattimore toting the rock, how much easier does it make the life of an offensive lineman? Well, I mean, we had a good running back in Kenny Miles before Lattimore, um, but having Lattimore definitely definitely was a, a, a big plus. Um, a lot of the guys, I'd say six out of the five from Marcus's freshman year went to the NFL. Um, so, I, I mean, 80% of your yards are untouched. It makes you look good. Um, so not taking anything away from Marcus because he had great plays and he made us look great uh, when we made mistakes. There was plays where I would make a fault and he would make it right because he would make the right decision to hit the right hole and to keep those legs moving. Um, it was awesome having a guy like that in the backfield. I was actually very honored to have blocked for a guy who made the Hall of Fame. Mm. Um, this past week, he just mm. got inducted to the USC Hall of Fame, and that's awesome. Yeah, it, it feels like that's that's one of those awards that is a, a team award, or if nothing else, I mean, you always see running backs taking care of their offensive line because obviously, like you're saying, I mean, as great as these backs are, if you don't have a good offensive line, you know, no back can run through that. So for sure, but so like like I said, Kyle, you got to South Carolina at a very interesting time. You know, Spurrier was sort of still building this thing and. You obviously saw the culmination of, you know, what that was when you got to the 2010 season. You guys obviously go on, win the SEC East title. Going into 2010, did, did you feel did you feel that coming as far as, like, you kind of felt like you guys were about to break out? Was that something you expected and sort of saw happening in 2010? Well, I've got a story that um, not many people know about, the people who are close to me do know about. Um, but there were some kids from Lawrence Manning Academy that I was mentoring. Uh, Cody and Jesse Pornell, and they uh, one was a linebacker, and I believe the other was a wide receiver. They were having some trouble uh, with playing time. They weren't getting as much playing time as they thought they should. Well, um, that year, um, right before the season started, the boys they told me that we were going to go to the SEC championship and we were going to beat Florida to win the SEC or to win the SEC East. A couple weeks later, those boys died in a car accident. And I uh, actually didn't make it to that season to see us do what they said was going to happen. Um, so it was kind of surreal for me to be able to be a part of that, winning at Florida um, to win the East and to do exactly what they said we were going to do. Um, it was really a big uh, a big wow um, for me. Um, it was very, very personal. For sure. Um, Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. So that's, uh, it kind of brings me to my next point as far as that 2010 season. Cause ironically, we're talking the day before the Florida game. And like you mentioned, uh, you guys went down to the swamp and beat Florida to, to capture the SEC East title. Just again, Marcus Lattimore had a great game. You guys on the offensive line. I mean, you guys had an offense, offensive line had a great 2010 in general, but, uh, that, that game, I, you know, I think Lattimore or I think Lattimore rushed for what, 220 or something, some crazy number. Um, obviously had a bunch. Of, I, yeah, one of the plays I remember vividly, and I think you're, you're. I think I remember vividly you in the highlight, the one where he gets stuffed. He gets stood up at like the four yard line, and you feel see like the entire offensive line come over and push him in. 
But j- just talk about that night for you. Again, obviously with the personal stuff you just mentioned, but, I mean, you guys as a team, as an offensive line, as a, as a running game, being able to really clinch that game and ice that game and lock down a trip to Atlanta. Well, you know, being able to gator chomp on the 50 after beating Florida <laughs> is not something that many people get to do. Um, you know, as an offensive lineman, that play specifically that you're talking about on the goal line, uh, Marcus did get stood up, and uh, me and Garrett Chisholm and uh, Tory Gurley went and gave him that last push to push him into the end zone. And that's something that I'm really proud of, not only as an offensive lineman or a football player, um, but offensive linemen are always told, don't give up on a play. Don't give up on a play. Get downfield. Do what you can. If your running back gets stalled, you need to be able to push forward for that extra yard or two. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, we didn't give up on a play. He got stood up, and we went and just knocked him into the end zone, and um, the rest was history. No doubt. So, moving into that 2011 season, Kyle, obviously you guys coming off, I know it didn't end the way you wanted, obviously going to Atlanta, but I feel like you guys set sort of a new expectation, if you will. Um, you know, South Carolina had gotten to Atlanta. You guys sort of tasted it. Now you wanted the whole thing. Again, I know the 2011 season did not go the way – as a team that you guys wanted or fans wanted, and then obviously you personally, which I'm going to get to in just a second with the, uh, the injuries and the health stuff, but being on the first ever South Carolina team that had won 11 games, I mean, talk about what that meant in the moment. And then now for you looking back, you know, to know that you were on that, you know, it's been, it, it, it got done after you left in 12 and 13, but to know that you were on that first ever USC team to ever win 11 games in a season. I mean, what, what does that mean to you? Well, I mean, it's a it's a great accomplishment, obviously, for the team. Uh, we all came together and did what we had to do to win, um, you know. But also, um, eleven wins and not winning the SEC East makes you feel like you've fallen short. Mm-hmm. Um, so the year that we won less games, we actually got to go to the SEC championship. And uh, the year that I felt like we were the most deserving, we didn't get an opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we missed a couple chances at SEC championship games while I was there. My um, redshirt freshman year, I believe we won six straight, and then we lost six straight. Um, that was a year that I thought we were going to have a chance to go with the Brinkley brothers and that crew, uh, Captain Munnerlyn, those guys. Um, but, I mean, it was an awesome accomplishment. It was something that had never been done before. Um, but we still felt like we should have done a little bit more. Like, we had a chance to go to the national championship or uh, make a show in the FBC championship. For sure. So, I, I want to talk about you specifically, Kyle. You know, obviously, uh, you battled some injuries during your South Carolina career, battled a back injury. But in 2011, you know, you started the first four games of the season, sat out through with that back injury, and then news came out that you would be out for the rest of the year with for, for a uh, blood clot in your leg. Um just kind of talk about, you know, finding out that news and then to have your final year kind of taken from you in that manner. Um, I mean, what, what, was, what was going through your mind when you found that out? Well, initially, uh, we were going to try for another year. Um, and then I guess something, something to do with my paperwork not being sent to the NCAA for another year. Um, I found out about two weeks before the Capital One Bowl that I was either going to play in that game or a chance not playing in that game to get another season. Um, But the only thing I knew that was guaranteed was being able to play in that game. Um, And that was seven weeks after back surgery. So I did a lot of rehab uh, up until that point as far as, you know, physical therapy, being in there with Clint. I think Clint's still there. he did an amazing job with, with, with the recovery. Uh, Dr. Brigham up at Ortho Carolina did a great job on my back surgery. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of work and, uh, being all SEC in that bowl game after coming off of back surgery, uh, was kind of a, a big, a big welcome back and that I could actually do it and keep going. And I felt like, you know, my, my career was going in the right direction. Uh, after playing so well, after having back surgery seven weeks prior. Um, but no NFL teams really wanted to give me a shot after that. For sure. So, And that makes me want to move into your professional career. Because like I said, Kyle, you know, you bounced around. Obviously, you were with the Panthers, the Jets. You did the Arena, Arena League thing. 
you know, when you look yeah. back on your professional career as a whole, um, what are your biggest takeaways from it? Um, once you leave college, it becomes a uh, profession. And with a profession, there's business. Um, so I'd say the biggest takeaway is uh, when you're competing with somebody who has a movie when you're with the Panthers and you're competing with a first-round draft pick, uh, business and politics really does um, play a part in who they select to go forward for the 53-man roster. Mm. Um, also, if you have a surgery um, on your record in college, you have a lesser chance of getting picked up because you have a new guy coming out of college that hasn't had a surgery every year. Um, so it really kind of, uh, it's an eye opener, um, arena football. We had guys traded for chip sponsorships. Um, so, um, we actually had a guy get traded for a Frito-Lay sponsor, um, wow. <laughs> playing arena football. And, uh, you know, a lot of times those arena guys don't even get paid. Um, you know, this past season, uh, the Carolina Havoc, the team that I was going to be with this year, um, you know, a lot of those guys didn't get paid a dime and they went all the way to the championship game. Um, so it's, it's interesting and it is very, uh, political and business-like. Um, but all I can say for those trying to make themselves a career in the professional league is just keep trying, keep your head up, keep working. Um, because you never know what could happen. Um, when I was picked up in 2015 by the Panthers, um, I was actually boxing and I wasn't trying to play football anymore. And uh, I ran a 4.740 at 2.90, and uh, Panthers called. And that's kind of how that worked out. But, um, yeah. Wow. So, so Kyle, I want to get your take, obviously, you being a proud alum, uh, you know, being on the only team that ever won the SEC East title. But I want to get your take on the current state of Gamecock football. Obviously, South Carolina coming off you know, one of the biggest wins, I would say, in program history, probably the biggest upset in the history of South Carolina football going into Athens, beating Georgia as huge favor or huge underdogs. Um, just kind of talk about, you know, your thoughts on Will Muschamp, the state of the program, and kind of uh, what your take is on the uh, the current South Carolina Gamecocks football program. Well, I feel like, um, you know, they have an identity now. Um, they have that big win under their belts, and that's kind of what it took for my group to realize, hey, we actually can do this. South Carolina can be a premier program. When we beat someone, uh, I want to say Ole Miss was probably the beginning of our big hello moment. Like, hey, we can we can actually do this, guys. Uh, let's do it week in and week out. And let's expect nothing but um, per perfection. Like, like Coach Spurrier. But also with that, Coach Spurrier used to say, all right, guys, you know, it's a big win after the game but you've got 24 hours to enjoy it. And then you've got 24 hours to enjoy it with your family. But after that, you know, it's, it's the next game week. You got to focus on that next week and uh, being perfect against them, learning their schemes and what they're good at and how you can uh, keep them from doing what they're good at is what it comes down to. For sure. So Kyle, before I let you go, I want to. Yeah, Kyle, before I let you go, I just want to ask you really quick, uh, obviously a ton to look back on, but when you have uh, when you take a look at your favorite memories at South Carolina, uh, what's the one memory that stands out to you as your favorite memory as a Gamecock? Uh, whew, that's tough. Um, it would be between beating Georgia uh, at Georgia when, they, uh, when Melvin Ingram had his two or three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was 2011. 11, yeah. Uh, I would say that win or um, God, it would probably be a three-way tie. Ole Miss back when they were number three, uh, Florida at Florida, or Georgia at Georgia. Mm. And then, see, there's Clemson at Clemson. So that's, <laughs> that's a, that's a four-way tie. Um, hey, that, that's a good know, problem Clemson, to have, a lot of memory. I would say Clemson at Clemson. And before they covered up Howard's Rock, I went up there and took a visit to the Rock before the game um, <laughs> that year. Um, some of my teammates know about what happened with that Rock, but uh, <laughs> outside of that, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So, one last question before I let you go, Kyle. Obviously, you played for Spurrier. Uh, have had a lot of funny Spurrier stories told on this show. Your favorite, uh, your favorite or funniest Steve Spurrier story that you've got. 
Oh, God, he's got a lot of them. Um, funniest Steve Spurrier moment. Uh, okay, I would say about three years. I was about two years into starting for him, about three, three and a half years uh, into my career. Uh, Coach Spurrier, we're in the meeting room, and he turns and he goes, it was the week after we played Georgia, and we beat him at home. And uh, he goes, geez, Lance, you took out the whole right side of the defensive line. I say, hey, Coach, uh, I'm Kyle. I've been I've been starting for you for two years now. Um, but thank you. Thank you for your first compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you did call me by somebody else's name, I guess Lance was another offensive tackle that played for him down there in Florida. Uh, we played and looked very similar to each other, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Spurrier always had his own names for people. It seemed like he always had the nicknames or the whatever. It's just typical Spurrier. So I was Lance to my teammates for a couple of weeks. After. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so I mean, it's fun. I mean, his memory, he could remember. I'm sure he could still remember. Uh, if I've ever gotten a penalty, you know, what quarter it was, how many minutes were left, and, and that kind of thing. And I really do appreciate it. If you're listening, Coach Spurrier, I appreciate everything that you've done for me. No doubt. Well, Kyle, appreciate you taking the time, man. I know I can speak for all Gamecock fans when I say, you know, it was a pleasure to watch you on the field. Your teammates do what you did. I mean, that 2010 SEC East title is something that's still talked about by South Carolina fans and still reminisced on. I know with it being Florida week, obviously, it's always fun to play those highlights in that 2010 game. I think that's most fans' favorite game against the Florida Gators. And obviously, we're hoping for uh, for something similar this Saturday and for South Carolina to get back to Atlanta. But yeah, really appreciate you, man. Like I said, it was a blast to watch you in Garnet and Black and would love to have you back on the show sometime and talk some ball. Awesome. Thank you. Anytime. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.